Lord, there is so much chaos, so much unrest, so much fighting and conflict today. We look back to the way things started and it's not your plan. But you've put things in place to fix that. I'm asking you that beginning with the one who speaks this morning that you'll teach us how to help, how to restore this oneness with you all through Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Okay, so we just sang one song this morning. Uh, that's how important this financial peace thing is. It starts Wednesday. And if you haven't signed up yet and you want to, uh, come and join us, um, Angie and I, and Angie and Greg, and several others. We've got several families. You can talk to Angie or my Angie uh, about that this morning, or you can go online. All the information is there. Also, Kathy Todd is 62. Uh, 62 years old today. Uh, th- uh, happy birthday. Yeah. She's several months older than me, and you can tell by looking. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Isn't that good? Wouldn't you like to be called the sons of God? Peace is an important theme in the Bible. It dominates the Bible. There's 400 references to peace uh, in the Scripture. And, uh, you know, God's called the God of peace. Jesus was announced as the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is the producer of peace in us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So peace is a wonderful thing. It should permeate everything. The problem is there ain't much peace right now, is there? Oh my goodness, I've never seen so much hatred and discord in my lifetime. Now, the main reason for that is twofold. Number one is the enemy, Satan. And number two, quite frankly, is our disobedience. I mean, you look back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. That was a place of peace. I mean, you got man and God walking together in the cool of the morning on the evening. Uh, you got animals that weren't eating each other. People weren't killing each other. It was a place of peace, wasn't it? Well, what happened? We know what happened. Sin happened. Sin ruined our peace in the garden. And listen, it's not God's fault. God's not at war with man. God's not really at war with Satan and his crew. But fallen man's at war with God, and Satan and his crew's at war with God. And as long as those two factions are fighting, there's not going to be any peace. But Jesus came along in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something to help alleviate this mess. I'm going to rise up a real special group of people called peacemakers. And I'm going to give them the power to bring my peace that I wanted to leave all of you back to this planet. And one more thing, they're going to be totally blessed by God. They're going to be called sons of God. Now, again, the reason this is so important to talk about uh, and so important for you and I as Christians to get this, uh, finally get this, is that the world had it shot and it didn't do a very good job. The world peacemakers don't have a very good track record. I mean, we don't have much peace anywhere. We don't have any political peace. Oh, my goodness. I don't even tell people what political point, because it, it, people hate you if you're not on their side. You know what I mean? We don't have any economic peace. We don't have any social peace. We don't have any domestic peace. There's no peace anywhere. People say, what are you, crazy, Kane? Have you ever been to Washington, D.C.? We got peace monuments everywhere. That's my point. We put one up after every war. John MacArthur, Jr. said in his book, The Only Way to Happiness, he says, peace today is merely that brief, glorious moment in history where everybody stops to reload. It's kind of funny, it's kind of not. And I'll tell you, our world is fed up with fighting. In fact, they got so tired of it after World War II, 52 million people died in World War II. Can you imagine that? 52 million people's killing each other? The world got so fed up with that, they created an agency of peace called the UN. It was established in 1945. 
Anybody in here know the motto of the UN? I'll give $100 without looking it up on your cell phone for anybody who can give me the UN motto today. 100 bucks out of my pocket. Of course, you have to say it in the Greek and the Latin to get your money, but <laughs> here it is in case you forgot, okay? To have succeeding generations free from the scourge of war. That's their motto. To have future generations free from the scourge of war. Isn't that a good motto, 1945? Here's the deal. There's not been one total day of peace on this planet since that motto was enacted. It's a pipe dream. There is no peace. And one of the biggest reasons we can't peace today is we can't get along with each other. Heard a story last week about two Kentuckians that were out hunting, and they were standing on some tracks, and they were trying to figure out what kind of tracks they were arguing. One of them said, those are rabbit tracks. The other one said, oh, no, those are wolf tracks. He said, are you crazy? As long as you've been hunting, you can't tell the difference between a wolf and a rabbit. And they were fighting back. They were still fighting when the train ran over them. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got to admit today, uh, boy, I wish my brother-in-law was here. You got to admit today that relationships are pretty fragile these days. We got so much stress and so much emotional, sometimes mental illnesses going on. We got families breaking up. We got kids fighting at school. We got people fighting at church. I mean, there's some, I don't want to bum people out. We're supposed to come to church to be encouraged, but I'm telling you, things seem to be getting worse instead of better. That's what makes us so exciting. That's what makes us uh, want to perk up. We're way past uh, time doing this. God says, I have a special blessing in store for all of you who will become the peacemakers I want you to be. Man, the world needs it today. We've got to step it up. So let's talk about a few things, and then we'll come down here and pray like we do every week. Number one, let's talk about the meaning of peace. If we're going to talk about it, we need to know what it means. Most people think that peace is the absence of something. Peace is the absence of conflict. If you don't have any fighting, you've got peace. Does that sound like a pretty good definition? I don't think so. <laughs> we don't have any fighting in the cemetery over there, but we don't exactly look at our graveyard as a model for God's peace. There's got to be more to it than the absence of fighting, and there is. See, in God's eyes, peace is not the absence of something. This might surprise you a little bit, but peace is the presence of something. And you know what that presence is? Righteousness. Righteousness. That's why we talk so much about sin in church. It's not for salvation. The salvation deal is already taken care of. We talk about getting rid of sin in our life because you can't have peace without righteousness. We need righteousness and lots of it. If you got righteousness, you got right relationships. You got right relationships, you're not going to have any war. If you're right with God, you got this oneness thing going on with Him, and you help other people get there, you're not going to have any reason for it. Doesn't that make sense? That's when, when somebody says to you, Shalom, they don't mean, may you have no war. No, what they mean is, may you have the goodness of God in you, may you have the Holy Spirit working through you, so you can get together with other people, and you won't have any need for peace. It's just very simple. It's just hard to pull off. See, it's the difference between truce and peace. Truce just means you're not shooting at each other right now. But peace means you, you got the issue, you put, put it out on the table so that the enemy, the truth's there, the enemy doesn't have any right there anymore, and then whatever the factions, the two of you, the five of you, the 2,000, the two million of you, get together and you work out the issue, hug, and move on. And when you do that, you got peace. It's a good thing tell you something else about biblical peace. Biblical peace doesn't ignore or glass over an issue just so there's no conflict. You know how we do that today? Listen, that's, that's what we've done with the church. We, we don't want to fight the transgender people and homosexuality and 
uh, you know, the Antifa and all these different, all the hot topic things. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want anybody hating us. So we just ignore the church. We're not going to talk about it. Just tolerate everything. Just love everybody. Plead ignorance. Hope it goes away, right? Isn't that what we're doing? Guy was out knocking on doors. He was working with the uh, Census Bureau. Angie and I actually kicked that around. I don't know what they pay, but I thought that'd be fun. Anyway, this guy goes up, knocks on this guy's door. Way out in the middle of nowhere, he knocks on the guy's door. The guy opens up the door and says, can I help you? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm working for the government. The government has actually sent me all across the country to try to figure out how many people live in the United States. And the guy said, well, I hate it. You came all the way out here for nothing because I ain't got no idea. <laughs> so, see what I'm talking about? <laughs> Listen, just plate manners is not going to work on this thing. That's not the peace of the Bible. Godly peace finds the problem, builds a bridge, and then fixes it. And anybody, listen, anybody in here who's been at church for a long time, uh, who has been in church leadership, you know, we go way back in the church. You know, sometimes that's going to involve conflict resolution. Sometimes this kind of peace is going to be a little embarrassing maybe, a little uncomfortable, might even hurt a little bit. But godly peace works. James chapter 3 verse 17 says, uh, this wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and then peace-loving. You get the purity first, the righteousness first, and then you get the peace. In other words, you, we never seek peace at the expense of righteousness. You can't get it that way. We can't just say, live any way you want, do anything you want to do, we're going to tolerate everything because we don't want to make anybody mad and that way we're going to have peace. It just won't work that way. Because according to James, you don't have peace between two people or two factions until you get the hurt or the sin or the bigotry or the hatred or the bitterness, you put whatever word in there, out on the table and pray over and let God deal with it. And then you got peace. By the way, anybody in here is at war right now with somebody? at school, or at home, or at work, or in your neighborhood, well, now you know how to fix it, right? Isn't that good? Don't you wish our Congress knew that? Our Senate? President, maybe? What a mess. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men, to be godly, because without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Did you get it? We cannot have the peace that we're talking about this morning that passes understanding without getting rid of the sin and becoming righteous and holy like we talked about last week. You cannot have peace without righteousness. I mean, I cannot, but you just can't. You want more proof? I mean, I don't blame you because this is a tough teaching. I'll give you some more proof. How about Psalm 85, verse 10? Love and faithfulness meet together. Listen to this. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. That's what's got to happen. Families are beginning to see that's, that's why it's going to take Christians to bring this peace. That's why the world can't get it done. It's going to take the Holy Spirit, and it needs to get done because nobody wants to go to work every day where there's fighting. Nobody wants to go to church every week where there's fighting. Nobody wants to be in a home where everybody's fighting. But again, you're not going to bring peace to that situation by ignoring the issue, by ignoring biblical principles, by forgetting righteousness. What you'll get out of that is a ceasefire and a cold war and a truce and all kinds of things, but you won't get peace. Peace involves getting rid of sin. It just does. It involves righteousness. Now that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, when he sent the 12 out. He's telling us the process. The process, don't miss this, the process is truth first and then peace. I think we get that backwards sometimes. I think we think we got to make peace first and then deliver the truth. It doesn't work that way. He sent the 12 out to preach the wonderful, amazing, 
hard truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the PC version. Not the watered-down version. Not the we're going to make everybody happy so we can fill the stadiums up version. The hard truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not peace at any price. It's not peace at the expense of the truth. It's speaking the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in love. And that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ and we should be telling the truth. Here's the problem. The world doesn't want to hear the truth because we've got to talk to them about sin. And nobody on this planet wants to hear about sin because everybody's okay. They can do anything they want. So it's tough. So we have this big barrier between righteousness and peace. Now here's what we can do, church. We can ignore this. We can. We can bury our heads and just come in here at church on Sunday mornings and, and let things go and hope things go away. We can do that, but we can't be peacemakers if we do. We can be the church that everybody says, hey, you know what? They don't talk about anybody or anything. They're so cool. But in the back of their minds, they'll be thinking, they really don't have much conviction. We can be the church where they say, well, they tolerate anything. You just come on, do whatever you want to do. The preacher will never say anything that will hurt your feelings. But in the back of their mind, they're thinking, he doesn't have enough backbone to pick up a small child. Now, we can do that and keep the peace. But it won't be real peace. Or we can preach the truth of God's God in love. You've got to do it in love, but you've got to preach the truth. And we need to be doing it at school and at work and at home and everywhere because the world needs it. There's not much peace out there. Got to hurry. Number two. Let's look at what gets in the way of peace. Well, we already said it. What is sin? I mean, I wish I could candy coat it, but I can't. It's sin. The gospel message is love and trust. And, and sin is fear and greed. We just talked about that last week. And if we're going to have peace... Uh, we got to get if peace and righteousness equal truth and, and we know that's true from Hebrews 14 and from uh, Psalm 85 then the enemy of peace is sin right that makes sense okay then let's take this out now don't get mad at me because I don't know I'm just saying if you've got something going on in your life right now a, a, a relationship or a, a place or an issue in your life where you're not feeling peace there's a real strong possibility there's some sin roaming around in there someplace that's hard teaching. You want more proof? Again, I don't blame you. It's tough. I'm going to read a couple more passages of Scripture to you this morning. These are not ear ticklers, okay? These won't feel real good, but they need to be said. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is evil and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is. You say, Who's he? are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, your heart's wicked. Desperately evil. Mine is too. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 22 says, the wicked can have no peace with God. So you understand why there's so much chaos? Listen to me, I'm not talking about salvation. Don't, don't get this talking about sin mixed up with your salvation. Salvation's a done deal. <laughs> That's why I preach the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. That's already taken care of. I'm just telling you, if you want the peace that passes understanding, if you want to get up tomorrow morning and put on the shoes of the peace of the gospel and walk around through the day with the peace of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to get pretty serious in your heart about what's wicked in there and get it out. Because you can't have peace without righteousness. And we can't deliver peace to anybody else until we take care of our own hearts. See how this works? Now it sounds pretty responsible. It sounds adult-like. Sounds like it's way overdue, and this is what Christians should be doing all the time. 
The problem is it's costly. And I'm going to be real honest with you. At least from my standpoint, I think this is why the church has had such a hard time with all these hot-button issues. Is because what we need to do is costly. It costs. The very last thing Jesus said in the Beatitudes is this. He said, listen to me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Blessed are those who bring this peace and are persecuted. Uh, Because he's telling us, if you do this, if you live this and you speak the truth, it's going to cost you. And bless his heart, I love that about Jesus. He's always straight up front about it. He's wanting us to know that we're living in a world right now that doesn't want to hear about the peace of God. Because in order to talk about the peace of God, you've got to talk about sin. And nobody wants to hear about sin these days. Jesus, for example, was the greatest peacemaker of all time. Did that keep him out of conflict? Hardly. They killed him. They killed him for it. And he's just reminding us that when we do this work and we want to do this work, because, listen to me, being a peacemaker actually means that we are restoring people to God. It is the most amazing thing that we can do as people. But it's tough and it's costly. We live in a goofy world right now, man. We, we live in a world that loves to fight. Uh, we love debates. We love uh, presidential candidate rebates, b- debates. We like debates on this and that. And we, you know, we get on Facebook. Everybody wants to fight on Facebook. It's amazing to me. And you can see it in sports. I love sports. Uh, but anything that has to do with sports today, we like to fight. We like to win. Uh, boxing's probably, I watched boxing last night. She sat there and let me watch a couple of bouts. I love boxing. When, I think most of you know when I was a kid, we, had, uh, we held our own boxing bouts in Bill Strother's basement. We did that for a couple of years. A refereed our own matches. Everybody liked to fight Jimmy Kane. Because when you fight Jimmy Kane, you got to hit him a lot. You didn't get hit back very often. I loved to fight. I just wasn't very good at it. But you know, boxing's not enough these days. Now, nah, today we've got to have ultimate fighting. Take the gloves off, put them in a cage, and let them go, you know. I know you're saying, come on, Kane, you're getting a little carried away. We're just talking about sports here, am I really? Do you guys remember not too long ago at a practice Little League hockey game? A practice Little League hockey game. Two men got into it. Do you remember that? The big guy beat the little guy to death in front of all those people. So you got one guy dead and one guy in prison for life and two families mixed up over a practice Little League volleyball, or or hockey game, I'm sorry, I kept saying volleyball, it's hockey. And ironically enough, they were fighting about how not to be so rough in the game. Now, I know that sounds like an isolated incident, but you go watch a Little League game today. Now, I don't care what sport you're talking about, sometimes it can get scary, because we like to win, we like to fight. You know, we like to teach our kids to do that, it's amazing to me. We like to fight for our rights. You get in a car accident today? You fall down the steps of the escalator at the mall. You know, you go to the doctor and they make a mistake and it costs you something. Do you sit down with them and work through that? Are you kidding me? You sue their pants off, man. You get every dime you can get. You call the hammer or something. You know, you, you don't settle for the little check. You get the big check. It's just that easy. You know what I'm saying? Family, I'm just reminding us, this isn't going to be an easy deal. People don't want peace today because, listen, they don't understand peace today, but that's okay. That's okay. We're still going to bring it. Because that's our job. I'm sure when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, they rolled their eyes at him too. I know whenever Paul talked about this, he caused riots everywhere he went. So we just need to remember, if we're going to be peacemakers, and we do, we've got to be willing to get right in the middle of the conflict, take the heat and the hits just like Jesus did, and speak the truth of his gospel in love. Get things right together with God again. That's the way it is. So here's an example. If you know somebody right now who's caught up in a sin from the Scripture, not your sin, from the scripture, okay, 
then the job of the peacemaker is not to gloss it over, water it down, ignore it, hope it goes away. It's certainly not the job of the peacemaker to talk about it behind their back with somebody else. That's called gossip. It's not our job to fold our arms and look down on them. The peacemaker's job is to go to this person in love and say, you know what? I love you and so does God, but I've been looking at this, and I've been looking this thing over, and I notice that you're at war with God by the way you're living right now, and the only reason, I bring, the only reason I'm bringing this up is that I want you and God to be okay. That's what a peacemaker does. And, and by the way, a word of caution, you already know this, but I'm speaking mainly to me. Make sure you get the plank out of your own eye before you go peacefully trying to help somebody get the speck out of theirs. If you see two Christians fighting, get right in there, man. Fix things through the love of God. You say, Cain, this sounds, this sounds like it's not easy. It's not easy. That's why we're not doing it. But it's doable. And it's time we did it. He's calling on us to do this in these days. Number three, we're just going to have to put up on the board because I'm out of time. I knew I was going to do this. Uh, number three, we have the source of this. God of peace. The scriptures are up there. The prince of peace. And the enable of our peace. Galatians uh, 5.22 which means, number four, we're the messengers of peace. It falls on us. If things are going to settle down and the conflict's going to go away, it's going to be us or it's not going to happen. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, all of this is from God who reconciled or made peace with us to himself through Christ. And listen to this. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of peace, that God was reconciling the world through himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us, there we go again, the message of reconciliation. It's, it's our job. This is our job. It's not going to get done if we don't do it. I love this in the message version. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins, and God has given us the task of telling everybody what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. We're the peacemakers. You and I are. So, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So, Philippians 4.7, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Let's go make peace. Let's change things up. Aren't you tired of everybody fighting? Let's go do something about it today. Let's come down to this table like we do every week and examine ourselves like Paul says, and let's see if there's some unrighteous stuff going on in here, some wickedness in our hearts, some stuff we might not even know that's buried way down deep there. Holy Spirit will tell you if you ask him, trust me. By experience, I know he'll tell you. And then you leave it here. You get forgiveness and get out of here. And then you're right with God, so you've got things settled. And then you just help somebody else do that. It's called evangelism. And that's what we're moving fast towards here at South Union, making disciples who make disciples. Look, everywhere we look these days, people are at war. They're at conflict with themselves. Conflict with each other, conflict with God. Let's go make some peace. You say, will it cost me? Yeah. Will it be embarrassing sometimes, uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. Will I get hurt once in a while? Yeah. But that's okay. Because that's what Jesus did and that's what he told us to do. To become peacemakers. Peace comes from being right with God. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your shed blood that we can do this weekly. Man, you don't want to miss this. I mean, if the only, other, the only reason you come to church is for this, then just come and do it and go home. You don't want to miss this opportunity. Examine yourself. Thank him for what's going on. Ask him to clean things up. And then go out there and be a peacemaker and be called sons of God. I love being the son of Dale Cain. I love being a Cain. You'll meet my dad one day, and when you do, you'll know why I love being a cane. 
but nothing compares to being son of the most high God. Is that something? The creator, the giver of love. We have an opportunity to do that this morning. Don't waste this time and, and don't forget, uh, let me bring a chair up here. You can either pray with us as we pray for Barb and her family this morning or take your time up here at this chair.